Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald. Today, we're continuing our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. The Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon on Wednesdays in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. These events are free and open to the public, so if this discussion sparks your interest, please consider joining the conversation at noon on Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Our topic of conversation for this Times Talk is food insecurity. Is food the key to breaking the poverty cycle? My guest today is Georgia College student Kendall Lewis. She will lead this conversation on food insecurity on Wednesday, February 12th, again in the Georgia College Library. Kendall Lewis, welcome to the WRGC Studios and this Times Talk edition of Georgia College Connections. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It is my pleasure to host you. We're talking about food insecurity today, and although I think my first question may be obvious, maybe too obvious, uh, but I thought perhaps it is a good place to start What makes food such a critical factor in people's quality of life? So food is really universal. Uh, It's something that no matter what your age is or what your culture, where you come from, food unites people. Um, And so I think it's so important that we ensure that every person has enough nutritious food that is culturally appropriate. Um, it's something that you know people share meals together. It's a way for us to relate to other individuals. So I think it's super important to just make sure that the conversation about are we making sure that our country has enough food for every individual, I think that's really important. And I like how you start off with it's something that unites us. Uh, but in the context of our conversation, it's actually a metric we use to delineate a kind of where we are in this country. Um, and so I wanted to talk about just that. Uh, can you talk about this idea of food insecurity and how we experience it in America? So food insecurity is a little bit different than hunger. A lot of times those terms are used interchangeably, but they're actually very different. Hunger is the state of feeling that you don't have enough to eat. So that physical feeling you get in your stomach when you haven't been sufficiently eating. Uh, But food insecurity is the state in which you cannot afford enough nutritious meals to live an active and healthy lifestyle. Differentiating those two is really important. And I think a lot of times people like to throw out terms like hungry individuals without realizing that food insecurity is something that's a lot more encompassing. There are many more people that might be food insecure that wouldn't consider themselves hungry. And so I think making that distinction is really important. Uh, I think people also don't realize because a lot of times we, you know, use the term hunger instead of food insecurity. Food insecurity, you know, can happen to anyone. No one's really immune to that. Um, And so I think One of the most important things to talk about is how do we make sure that, you know, we're accurately describing this phenomenon in the United States where nearly, you know, 11 percent of our population will experience food insecurity at some point during the year. So I think that that's why it's really important to bring up. Well, in in your experience, do you think that the uh, shall we say the popular conversation around issues of um, hunger And, you know, uh, let's mark that delineation between hunger and food insecurity. But do you think that those are accurate to uh, the ways that Americans experience um, food insecurity or the lack of food insecurity? Or I guess that would be food security. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that the conversation is completely accurate right now. I think that a lot of times people diminish 
the problem, especially when it's talked about in the news and in the media. Um, I think when people hear the term food insecurity or hunger even, you imagine the starving child in Africa or, you know, you don't picture it in the context of what American people are typically experiencing. But food insecurity can look like having to eat food out of a vending machine because you can't afford to get lunch that day, or maybe you, you know, are just working so much that you can't even cook yourself a proper dinner. So I think it's, you know, a lot more common when you bring up that food insecurity can happen to anyone. Um, And I think that part of the conversation is frequently left out. Well, and that brings up an interesting thought for me. I mean, is food insecurity related closely to poverty? It absolutely is. Uh, So we see that in the most impoverished parts of the country, the food insecurity rates are higher. In Baldwin County, with such a high poverty rate, we see a 22.6% food insecurity rate here. And so I think that those two, you know, might not be causation, but there's definitely a correlation there. And I think that's why talking about food insecurity and making sure that people have enough nutritious food is part of that answer to solving poverty. Excellent. Well, we're about out of time for this segment, so we're going to take a short break right now. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to a Times Talk edition of Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're previewing the next Times Talk, and that's going to take place at noon on Wednesday, uh, this February 12th. And that topic of conversation will be food insecurity. I'm talking with the facilitator for that conversation, a Georgia College student, Kendall Lewis. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you're just joining us, we are previewing the upcoming Times Talk. Of course, the Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon on Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Please consider this your invitation to come out and join the conversation again at noon on Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. This Times Talk will be about the idea of food insecurity. And I'm talking today with Georgia College student Kendall Lewis, uh, who will facilitate that conversation uh, one more time at noon on Wednesday in the Georgia College Library. Um, Last segment, we tried to talk about the critical role that food and access to um, nutritious food, uh, the role it plays in our society. And then uh, we tried to kind of give a context to this idea of food insecurity. Um, But I know that one of the topics that you want to discuss is changes to government policy in the way that it affects people's access to food. So let's just start off in the most general sense possible. You know, how does government policy affect um, food access in the lives of individuals? So SNAP, or you know, most commonly known as food stamps, is the largest food assistance program in the United States. And currently it serves 
usually around 40 million Americans every month. So that's the best way for individuals that don't have enough to eat. That should be their number one go-to is to look and see if they are eligible for SNAP. Um, the problem with SNAP is, is that it's not a perfect solution and it definitely has room for improvement. But the current administration is looking at changes to SNAP eligibility, which could have a significant impact on people that currently rely on it to eat enough nutritious food. So I think one of the problems with SNAP, though, is that there's kind of this interesting paradox where there are certain eligibility requirements to be able to apply for SNAP, such as having to work if you're abled body without dependents, meaning that, you know, you're able to work, you might not have kids or anyone else in your family relying on your income. You can't be on SNAP unless you work a certain amount of hours each uh, month. And so with the changes that this administration is putting in place uh, in April, they are going to significantly limit the number of able-bodied individuals without dependents that can apply for SNAP. Uh, the problem with this, though, is that a lot of individuals that typically were not working at that threshold, the reason that they weren't is because of certain barriers to entry in the job market. Uh, maybe they you know, don't have transportation to get to a nearby city where there are actually jobs. Um, but also at the same time, a lot of individuals lose their eligibility on SNAP because they work too much or they make too much money. And so, you know, that pushes them out of that threshold as well. So there's this interesting paradox that basically incentivizes working, but not working so much that you're off of SNAP. So I think that's one reason why these changes are being talked about, but why they also still pose a new problem. And so you know, we live in an incredibly diverse country. Is there kind of a like a model shall we say, SNAP recipient or perhaps even target service area for SNAP? And is, is it possible for you to maybe bring these two ideas together of uh, these eligibility requirements for that and then um, who the program seems to be aiming to help? So with SNAP, we do see that more minority individuals struggle with food insecurity. So I would say that they are probably kind of a target, I would say. Um, but even still, SNAP tries to create a, a standard uh, so that anyone that meets the eligibility can apply and receive food stamps. Uh, the problem with that, though, is our country, like you said, is incredibly diverse, not only in race, but also in the kinds of communities that people are living in and the kinds of economic troubles they have there. So to speak from a Milledgeville standpoint, we are in a rural part of the country. And so SNAP eligibility might look different here than it would look in California or New York. And so I think a lot of times with the one size fits all policy, it leaves out certain groups like rural Americans, like people of color, different genders even. So there's not specifically one target audience for SNAP, but I think because they do try to just kind of have this blanket program for the country that a lot of times certain marginalized groups get left out of that equation. And of course, those marginalized groups are different for each of the diverse communities in which we live in. Um, reading the articles that you've put forth for your Timestock conversation, it does try to lay out some of the thinking that the administration is using in their desire to 
change or reform this kind of social safety net program that they have. And a very layman's reading of it, of course, makes it looks like the idea is, you know, we have this strong economy right now. Uh, we have uh, record levels of unemployment and we want to get people to help themselves before the government steps in and helps them. Could you uh, kind of talk about or perhaps even critique that thinking uh, when we look at the changes that are forthcoming to SNAP? So I understand where lawmakers are coming from when they say that the economy is strong and unemployment is low. Those should be really great indicators that, you know, people are able to lift themselves out of poverty. However, I think that mindset fails to recognize that just because the economy is strong and unemployment slow, that doesn't mean that every person is better off. So I really like the article that talks about in West Virginia, how they have already experienced some of these changes to SNAP eligibility and specifically for the state to not have waivers for able-bodied, non-dependent individuals. And they basically found that you know, even though the economy was getting better and there were lower levels of unemployment, wages weren't increasing. So you might see more individuals in jobs, but if they still don't make a living wage, then they might still need help from SNAP. So I think it's really important to not only say that the economy is strong and unemployment is slow, but also to look at how is that actually impacting communities? Are the communities themselves better off or are there groups that still do need these waivers to make sure that they get enough nutritious food? We'll leave the conversation there as we go into another uh, segment break. If you're just joining us, you are listening to Georgia College Connections, WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we are previewing the upcoming Times Talk conversation, and it is on the topic, Food Insecurity, Is Food the Key to Breaking the Poverty Cycle? I'm joined in the WRGC studio today by Kendall Lewis. She will lead this conversation on food insecurity this Wednesday at noon in the Georgia College Library. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more George Cobb's Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Again, I want to take this opportunity to invite you out to the Times Talk. Of course, the Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon on Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. These events are free and open to the public, so if you're enjoying our conversation, please engage in the discussion that will take place again tomorrow at noon in the Georgia College Library. This week's Times Talk is on the topic Food insecurity, is food the key to breaking the poverty cycle? I'm joined by the facilitator of tomorrow's conversation, Kendall Lewis. Now, Kendall, you talked about an experience that you had that has really informed your desire to 
bring this conversation to the Times Talk. Um, I was wondering if you could share with our audience what you shared with me before the interview um, about a hearing on nutritional programs like this. You witnessed this in Washington, D.C. Yes. So I was able to attend a hearing on the Hill, and it was about this exact issue, about changes to SNAP eligibility and state waivers. And I was very intrigued because they brought up an example of a man who had over a million dollars in assets who went through the legal process of applying for SNAP and actually received the benefits. And this was brought up to show that changes need to be made to SNAP and to the eligibility requirements. But it was very interesting to see the divide between the Democratic and the Republican lawmakers about how they viewed this story. Um, So the Republicans saw this as a way to justify that they needed to tighten up the program, whereas the Democrats saw this as a way for people to just take advantage of and that it didn't show the actual need of individuals in America. And what was so interesting about this debate that they had is both were just arguing semantics. Neither side could really point to a solution to this problem, but they both wanted to say that the story highlighted some problem and yet they couldn't compromise on a way to solve it. And I think that this is very typical of D.C. politics where there's so much debate, but little actually happens in a timely fashion. And I think that's why it's so important to bring up this conversation now, because I think it's important to be informed, to know your views about these programs and how they actually impact individuals. So that way you can make your own decision when you go to vote for your lawmakers. Well, I think it's interesting that you bring up this example of a a millionaire who was able to go into the county office in a acquire these benefits. Now, uh, looking at the audience to that hearing that you witnessed, um, you have two groups that have um, their ideological view from which they are kind of assessing the situation. Uh, But I would like to believe that you may have taken a more critical eye to what you were witnessing there. Did you come up with any takeaways uh, that you thought would be good for the conversation going forward? So I definitely think it's important to make sure that the screening process is really strong with programs like SNAP and other uh, social safety net programs, because if a millionaire can go in and apply for any program, that shows that there is some sort of flaw in the way that individuals are being given assistance. However, I also don't see it as happening all over the country. I think that this was a very rare occurrence. And I think what's important to take away about this, though, is knowing that there are flaws to this program. I think it's really important for us to have a united front when we go about creating solutions for this, knowing that the way the program works, it is helping millions of Americans every single day. So it's a strong program. But at the same time, we should be talking about ways that we can improve it as our economy changes and as the lives of Americans change as well. And if you could offer some reflections or maybe even questions to our audience, uh, what would you ask that they consider when they talk about or perhaps even go to the voting booth with Mm -hmm. this as an issue that they want to see change in in our country? I think the most important thing is to just research this and other topics that you care about. A lot of times politicians don't even bring up food insecurity or hunger. It's very rarely in the news unless you see big changes like this happening. And a reason for that is 
it's very stigmatized in our country. It doesn't look good on our country to have millions of Americans that are struggling to afford enough food. Uh, but I think that this is something we need to press our politicians on and make sure that they are thinking critically about how these programs affect individuals. And so that that would be one of my biggest takeaways is don't take everything at face value. Uh, don't take what you hear in the news and just assume that because the economy's good that everyone's better off. I think it's really important to have a critical eye when looking into problems like hunger, poverty, homelessness, uh, because that can be really telling of what the actual experience of Americans is. As you go into your Times Talk on Wednesday, what do you hope your audience takes away from the conversation? I hope, number one, that my audience learns that food insecurity is much more prevalent than most people think and that not everyone is immune to food insecurity. It can really happen just depending on a person's circumstances. Uh, but number two, I think the reason you know people should look into it more and to form their own opinions about it is because food is something that unites us and people deserve enough food to live a sustainable life. And so I think it's really important that we critically analyze these policies before they go into effect so that way we consider, you know, how Americans are able to continue to enjoy food together. Well, Kendall Lewis, I want to thank you for joining me today on this Times Talk edition of Georgia College Connections. Thank you. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we previewed the upcoming Times Talk which will focus on the issue of food insecurity. I spoke today with the facilitator of that conversation, Georgia College student Kendall Lewis. Of course, this Times Talk will take place tomorrow at noon in the Georgia College Library. It is a free and open to the public event, so if you enjoyed our conversation today, please come out and join the discussion again at noon on Wednesday in the Georgia College Library. On behalf of WRGC, I have been your host, Daniel McDonald. It has been my pleasure spending this portion of the evening with you here on Georgia College Connections, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time.